Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. You know, folks, so much is going on already, and it's just Tuesday, so let's get right to it. First of all, what the fuck do you think is wrong with the 1-6 House Commission? Seriously. Like, all the news reports coming out right now have Liz Cheney, right, who is the vice chair, Republican vice chair of the 1-6 House Committee, saying in no uncertain terms that it is evident that Donald Trump committed crimes at the federal level, right? That there were crimes that were committed that everyone around him knew that he lost the election, but were still actively trying to ensure that he would stay in power. They know this in, as she said, no uncertain terms. But there is tepidness about referring writing a letter on behalf of the committee to the Department of Justice because of what exactly? So let me give you some of the bullshit reasons that are coming out um, from the House Commission. So here's one of them. Oh, we don't want to rush Merrick Garland because by virtue of the House Committee recommending, right, that the Department of Justice prosecute or begin investigation or prosecution or whatever of Donald Trump for all of the wrongdoing that they've been able to unearth uh, after a year of investigation or however long they've been doing. It's definitely been longer than we've known that the Department of Justice hasn't been moving. And let me get this straight. So Congress these group of select members that have organized over 500 plus interviews who have organized 
getting, I don't know how many different documents, including those that were illegally removed by Donald Trump that sat at Mar-a-Lago, probably next to the buffet for the last year or so. And now you're pretty much reaching, you know, your conclusion and you're not even done. You still want to potentially interview Ginny Thomas, who we know was actively on the phone with Mark Meadows. How do we know that? Oh, well, thank goodness. Her husband was the lone dissenter in the decision to open up Trump's phone records and those of the folks in the administration, um, so that we know exactly who Ginny was on the phone with sharing her QAnon theories. So you have all of this information and now you are at the finish line and Democrats, instead of running through the tape are there and they're like, Hmm, I know it's been a marathon and this is mile 26 but maybe we just don't go the point to, right? Maybe we just don't finish. And here's the thing, a marathon is 26.2 miles, right? So stopping at mile 26 means that you are not in fact a marathoner. Why the fuck would you go through a long, arduous, painful fucking race to get this information about Donald Trump, about his associates, about getting to the core of who was involved in the insurrection, who were the architects, who were the donors, that you get all the way here and then you say, nah, we don't wanna rush Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland is moving at a sloth's fucking pace. I don't think that there, is there an animal slower then the sloth, whatever animal is slower than the sloth is the pace at which Merrick Garland's Department of Justice is moving. Now, and again, th- here's the other thing. So, so second bullshit uh, uh, comments that are being made with regard to there being a split on what to do inside this select house commission. The other one is, we don't want to seem as if we're playing politics. Bitch, I'm sorry, what fucking game... Uh, Do you think that we are in right now? What do you think that Donald Trump was doing when he was trying to get his vice president to decertify the fucking 2020 election? Do you think he was playing what exactly? Tag? Republicans only know how to play one game and that is politics. You know what the American people give a fuck about? Somebody that seems like they are fighting for them. So you can't get on television, get on all these fucking radio shows for the last year plus following the insurrection and tell people that no one is above the law, including the president of the United States, and then get to a place where the people finally get to see what we have known all along, that that motherfucker is a criminal and then decide that you're not going to do it because you don't want to seem like you're playing politics. I, like is is Congress a different game, right? Like, are, is 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 the White House is government? Is this a different industry? All there is is politics to play. We have a fucking election coming, and while Joe Biden and the Biden administration has done a good amount of work to add more jobs, right? to, you know, bring down, uh, uh, joblessness, to have a functioning economy, 
right? That is doing well post the pandemic and post the Trump administration, except no one is talking about that. What everybody is talking about, however, is the indecision around canceling student loan debt, is the fact that I don't know how many more climate reports need to come out uh, and tell us that we're fucked without this administration acting. Um, So there's not a lot, there's not a lot for folks to be running on here to say that Democrats have answered the call of the American voter. But there is one thing that we can all agree that everyone who voted for Joe Biden wanted. And that was, what is that word? Oh, I'm at a loss for it. Democracy. We wanted democracy to continue. We don't want to live in fucking Hungary. We don't want to live in Turkey. We want to live in the United States of America, the birthplace of democracy, so that the people can feel safe and secure that regardless of some of the bullshit politicians that seem to inhabit our Congress, that their voices would still matter, that their votes would still matter. And that when we all see criminal activity, right, with our own eyes and our own ears, that we can feel confident that that criminal activity is going to be taken care of, right? That we're not the only ones that will get caught up, right? That those that are powerful, white, and wealthy will also be held to account. And if you don't utilize this opportunity to stamp out American fascism, which was born out of Trumpism, then what the fuck are you doing? And it is this kind of, well, I, I don't even know, is it uncertainty? I don't even know what to refer to it as. We don't want to seem like we're playing politics. Bitch, the Republican Party is at war. They have been at war with America, with our norms, with our values, with our morals since the Obama years, but damn sure over the last four right under Trump, they went ham. Okay. So if you know all of that to be true and people came out at historic levels in order to make sure that that motherfucker wouldn't have a second term, but you are doing your best to ensure that he can continue to run and even threaten to run because nobody is coming down with indictments because you're afraid of what it will look like if the actual House Commission does its fucking due diligence and its job? Then what the fuck are we doing? Why don't we just give the Republicans the keys, right? Why don't we just tell them, wave the white flag and just say that we've given up? Because I don't know how the actions that are being taken, even a murmuring of consideration around not putting the final nail in the coffin because you don't want to rush Merrick Garland, who's been asleep at the fucking wheel for the last year and a half. Give me a break. It's this type of shit. It's this type of shit that makes me want to change parties. And here's the awful position that Democrats that give a shit are in, which is this. We're not going to become Republicans 
I don't want to be an independent and not be able to vote in primaries or in these off time elections. And then there is no viable third fucking party. But what is happening right now is that you are making people who are progressive and actually believe in moving this country forward. You are making us realize that you are not to be trusted Democrats. You are making us realize and come to the understanding that there is no party for us. There is no party for those that are progressive. There is no party for those of us that believe in equity, right? That don't want to move at a sloth's pace because we recognize the crises that surround us. You know, what frustrates me is that the democratic establishment continues to operate as if we are not at war in this country. They continue to operate as if this is like the early 2000s or the late 90s, and this is a Republican beast that they know. This motherfucker has been a transformer for quite some time. They've transformed from the party of Reagan into the party of Trump. They are no longer, they are no longer the, the, uh, reasonable, right? I use quotation marks. They're no longer the reasonable Republicans to go to pour your scotch, smoke a cigar, and then come out with some policies for the American people. Those days are gone and they've been gone for almost two decades now. So how is it that we have once again, a democratic party that has no fucking teeth, no goddamn backbone being led by a president who still believes that there are both, there are good people, right? That he believes that this party is filled with people that are his friends. And I'm telling you, Joe Biden, they would soon kill you if they had the opportunity to. Right. We are no, I mean, I, so let me tell you this, this was really interesting. So when I was, uh, back in DC last week and I'm, you know, chatting with, uh, a bunch of politicos and, you know, we're all, we're, we were excited about history, but we're all deeply lamenting the position that Democrats are in and the fact that Democrats have put themselves in this position. And folks were telling me that, You know, they're like, do you remember back in the day when we were all working on the Hill and, you know, you would grab lunch and grab coffee with, you know, uh, somebody from across the aisle, one of the staff members to like figure out how you're going to work on a piece of legislation together or you know, there'd be a big bill and we got to figure out, is your boss going to move on this or not? And so that's how things used to operate. I was told that staff from opposite parties are no longer even allowed to be seen in public together. That people are relegated to trying to hash out shit in a parking lot, right? Because to be seen together, even walking the halls, sitting, uh, having lunch, or, you know, actually, God forbid, going over to somebody's office to talk things out is seeing as crossing enemy lines. That's what Republicans think. This is not Democrats. This is how Republicans are operating. 
So if that is the message that has gone out to staff, to the staff of members of Congress, and they're no longer in conversation with trying to collaborate there, the other staff from across the aisle, what is it that we think that the members are doing? Well, they're fucking showing us, right? They showed us during the, the Brown Jackson hearing where they're at, right? They show us every day what it is that they think about Democrats, the Democratic Party, and democracy. Because this is how they feel about democracy. If government is supposed to be for and by the people, how do you do that without negotiation? Well, that's what you do when you don't want to advance any policies. You see, when you have decided, which the Republican white supremacist party has decided that they don't have anything to offer up the American people. They're not trying to make water cleaner, air fresher, right? They're not trying to innovate and, and figure out how we use green technologies and wind and solar, as opposed to relying on oil, which we see can you know, is pretty fucking unstable and also a diminishing fucking resource. They're not trying to invest or innovate in any area. So if we know that to be true, then they're not open to negotiations because what are they bringing to the table? They have stated in no unequivocal terms that they are the party of no. Right? Mitch McConnell started that during the Obama years. They're the party of no. And you see, you cannot have a functioning government and by virtue of functioning society, if one of the two political parties whole pushback on everything is just going to be no. Right? And just wanting to have power for power's sake so that they can roll back any progress, any policies, any things that Democrats have done so that they can just erase it all. And then we have literally nothing. No social safety nets, no social services, privatize the fuck out of everything so that you can make money on desperation. And that is it. That's the fucking goal. So instead of Democrats painting Republicans as if they are still operating in a two-party system where they're both just trying to figure out the best way for the country to move forward, it would better serve Democrats to just outline the fucking truth. Republicans don't want to get shit done. It doesn't matter if they're at the state level, the local level, or they're at the federal level. The Republican party is the party of no, they are the party of the past. And the only way that America continues to move forward is if we invest in ensuring that Democrats hold the seat of power, because if they lose it this time, it is gone. And that's the other thing. Here's the other thing that I believe that Democrats also are not getting because again, they are functioning as if we are living in the 20th century and this is the Republican beast that they know. And once again, I am saying we are in the 21st century and these motherfuckers have showed you who they are one, two, three, four, a billion times. You may want to start fucking believing them. But the reality is this, we don't have another election. Okay. So if we all start operating on the fact that the midterm election is actually our last opportunity to enshrine democracy 
into the hearts and minds and the, you know, constitution and the laws, then maybe we would move differently because that's it. Republicans get back Congress. They will ensure through their lies, through their theft, through their criminality, that whoever is running in 2024, if it's Trump, if it's DeSantis, if it's Abbott, whoever it is, wins outright. And we know that a Republican hasn't won the popular vote in all, I don't know, two decades. So none of their policies are popular. Their people are not even popular. So what is left for them to do but lie, cheat, and steal? And if you know that, as a Democratic establishment must know, right, because I know who works there, then why are we all acting as if this is your regular average election and not the last election? that we have an opportunity to save democracy. Why are we not running on the fact that we are holding everyone accountable who tried to disrupt our democracy, right? That we are not only running against the lives, the, the lies and, and the, and the criminality, but we are running for progress by any means necessary. Right? Because our children are deserving of clean water and fresh air and good quality public schools. That they are deserving of being able to get a job, a good paying job, and not be gouged by their employers. Right? So we're talking about workers' rights, that they should be able to go and receive a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree without going into six figures of debt. So we're going to change how student loans work. We have got to be the party of the future. If the Republican white supremacist party is the party of the past and the party of return, and for anybody from a marginalized fucking community, there ain't nothing for us in the past except deeper and more violent oppression than what we already experience in the present. So if you are not going to be campaigning as the party of the future, with or without help from the white supremacist Republican party, then what the fuck are you doing? These are the questions that I'm asking this week. Because if by week's end, I'm not on this show talking about and reading from the letter that the house commission sends to the department of justice, Lord Jesus, mm -mm, mm -mm, you don't want to see me on this Friday. If that's not going to be the news, because I will lose it. I will fucking lose it. Um, okay. Switching gears. Um, COVID by the way, friends is still a thing and come to find out, which I apparently didn't pay attention to when I headed to DC, uh, was that, oh, uh, COVID is running rampant there. Uh, so far your girl is okay, but you know, fingers crossed. Why? I was outside an event. Uh, I went to dinner, um, in all of the public, uh, uh, public transportation and all of those things. I was masked as people were masked. Um, but I did go to dinner, right. And, um, I did eat in DC. And so come to find out damn near everybody there, uh, from white house officials to members of Congress all have COVID. 
And it one of the reasons that are being said, at least in um, what, what I'm hearing from the works, is that all of these cities, uh, including New York, where I am, which had indoor mask mandates, have allowed them to expire. We are at a place right now where the federal mandate for travel, so air, train, buses, you know, what have you, um, is set to expire at the uh, end at next week on April 18th, next Monday. So the CDC apparently, according to reports, is working on, quote, a new framework um, for travel mask mandates. Now, when COVID officials were asked about whether or not masking was still going to be on the table, they said that it was absolutely on the table. But here's what I want to make really clear. BA.2, which is the subvariant of Omicron that has now overtaken Omicron in this country and in Europe and other places, um, spreads 30% faster than Omicron, which spread 30% faster than Delta, which spread 30% faster than Alpha. Okay. So you see the, the patterns here. Philadelphia this week has also reinstated, the city of Philadelphia is the first major U.S. city to reinstate their mask mandate indoors because there has been a major uptick. In Washington, D.C., uh, Muriel Bowser allowed the indoor mask mandates to expire back in February. Well, both Georgetown University and John Hopkins University, which are stationed in the DMV area, uh, uh, and DMV, sorry, DC, Maryland, and Virginia, uh, not the Department of Motor Vehicles, but the DMV in terms of geographic location. Um, John Hopkins and Georgetown saw major outbreaks on their campuses um, and have reinstated their indoor mask mandates. Now, here was a question that was posed to... Um, the state AG in Philly, in Pennsylvania, the state, and they said, you know, the city of Philadelphia is reinstating these indoor mask mandates, but how hard is it going to be after so long of folks not wearing a mask indoors to now being mandated to do so? And the state AG um, said, well, first of all, because he's running for uh, as everybody is running for governor, uh, which we will get to that um, in in a minute. Um, this man says, um, and his name is uh, Josh Shapiro. Um, so, and that's what I was looking up. So Shapiro says, well, he doesn't believe in mask mandates, right? He doesn't believe in mandates at all. And of course, if you're running for office and you know that this is something that is contentious, even though it makes sense, you're going to say whatever it is you think is going to get you into office because politicians. So he says he doesn't believe in mask mandates, but then also said, yeah, once you have people stop doing something to get them to restart doing that thing is really difficult. But here's the thing we've been saying since the beginning that there needs to be some kind of intellectual nimbleness, right? But when you are dealing with a still a 30% 
of people in the United States who are not vaccinated. I think it's 25 to 30% of the country is still not vaccinated and also believe the QAnon lives are Trump supporters, all of these things. I mean, that's a lot of fucking people. Um, when you're asking for intellectual nimbleness, that's hard to do with people that are fucking dumb, right? Like, I mean, let's just be honest. You're asking people to say like, okay, don't throw away your masks. You don't need them right at this moment. But as soon as you see and begin to notice that there is an uptick, that more people around you are becoming unwell, then maybe, right, you should put your mask on and know that we may ask you to go back to wearing masks indoors, right? Like this should be a no brainer. And yet it so obviously is not. I do not think that this, this city of Philadelphia is going to be the last city to do this. I think that you are going to see a lot more reinstated mask mandates for indoors because this next variant is more contagious than the last variant. And what folks are saying is that, you know, God willing, we're not going to see the kind of mayhem that we saw in December and January, which kind of ended around mid-February, but that is only if people remain nimble and vigilant, right? Like, that's it. And if you don't, then like you, even though you are double vaxxed and God hoping, you know, double vaxxed and boosted or are about to get your next boost, that you won't die and you won't end up in the hospital. But again, we're even still trying to think about the 25 to 30% around us that could. And I'm always, and I'm at the place folks where I'm like, they can go with God. Like, I'm not really concerned. I'm more concerned about myself and the fact that I haven't been sick since 2019. And the fact that I still have not caught COVID as of right now, fingers crossed, because again, I was just in fucking DC and I, somebody who is vigilant about all things, did not check and to see where the levels were, because I assumed that the levels had stayed, you know, pretty much the same. And I was going to outdoor events. So I figured I would be fine. That's what most people are figuring. And I am here to tell you by my own mistakes, right? That no, we need to continue to be vigilant. And, you know, if your boosters like mine are coming up to expiration, um, I know that they're still at the 50 and over can get a fourth booster, but I'm like, can they speed this shit up so that the rest of us can feel covered, covered? Who knows? And now, folks, for where we are um, in Ukraine, let me tell you, as I know that all of you are watching and following, those images from Maripol, um, my God, to think that, what is it? 50 days ago, just a few weeks ago, several weeks ago now, that people were just going about their lives, living in those apartment buildings that now are burned out, that the train stations that have been bombed by Putin, you know, were once carrying people on their way to see friends and loved ones and to work. 
that these school buildings that are being used as, as shelters were once where kids were, you know, learning their daily lessons and, you know, playing with their friends. It's really hard. You know, sometimes when I am on my walks and I just am, you know, looking up at New York City and I think to myself, and this is the piece that I wrote when the war first broke out for Medium, it's like, look around you. Go outside and if you live in the suburbs, look down your street. If you live in the city, look just up at the buildings in your neighborhoods. And now imagine them being absolutely vacant and blown out. That your regular routines of work and school and friends and is completely disrupted. Never, ever to return to normal because your normal has literally been blown up. Four and a half million people have fled Ukraine. Four and a half million. We haven't ever, I don't think, seen that kind of population move in such a short amount of time. I don't think we've seen that in modern times. Four and a half million people have gone to bordering countries and beyond. These people have left behind everything. They've only taken what they could carry. So imagine you in your home right now listening to this. Because I want the reminder to really sink in. What are you taking? What are you packing up? Never to see your pictures and your furniture and your plants and your animals. Again, never to see your home country. Again, you hope that at some point you'll be able to go back, but Folks, you're seeing the images of once thriving, vibrant cities and townships. They are completely and utterly destroyed. So even if war, even if the fighting were to end tomorrow, those 4.5 million people have nothing to go back to because it's been utterly destroyed. Wrapping my mind around this on a daily basis um, is, it's really hard to watch. You know, it, it really is, it's really difficult to take in. And, you know, there there are times when I'm watching like, the news cameras zoom in on crying grandmothers and grandfathers and people who have just learned that their loved ones that they thought were hiding 
you know, are now dead. And I see the cameras pan in to get the most emotion. And part of me is just like, God, this is disgusting and exploitative. And then the other part of me is like, the only way that we're going to get these countries to act, including our own, outside of sanctions, because I think that Putin is playing for keeps. I've said that since the beginning. This isn't just about Ukraine. It's the beginning. He wants the USSR back. And these sanctions that are being placed while they are, you know, threatening to really upend the Russian economy, you think that this motherfucker hasn't hid money in other places? Do you think that the maneuvers that he's making right now to hold oil and gas in Russia hostage for the rest of Europe isn't going to have the rest of Europe like be on the verge of prices that they have never seen and causing their economies to constrict? Like, I think that we're underestimating the long game that is being played here. And why do I say that? Well, because of who Putin just put in charge of his fucking army. So this is a report according to NBC News. Russia's reported appointment of General Alexander Vronikov to take over operations in Ukraine marks what some military analysts see as an indication that the war could be set to enter a brutal new phase as Moscow readies a major offensive in its neighbor's east. Let me say this again. This man, according to active generals and former generals in the United States, Vronikov. And I don't know if it's Devarnikov because I don't know if the D is silent. So I will listen out for that when I hear his name again. They refer to this man as the butcher of Syria. I don't think that when you decide to appoint a man that is known for butchering civilians, that that means that the war is coming to an end. I think that it means exactly what NBC News reported. They're going all in on rape, on torture, on chemical weapons, on creating as much mayhem and despair as they possibly can. Putin, there is, he is not saying to himself, you know, as this fucking quote unquote strong man, right? And everybody and every reporting of people who have studied Putin all these years have said he only responds to strength. That is it. Him retreating from this war would be Putin's worst fucking nightmare, which is on the global stage to look like a loser and to look weak. So I think that this man would rather lose everything. Do you know what I'm saying? 
than to admit defeat. I think that he will push this to its brink. I think that he will push it to the fucking button on the nuclear warhead. That's what I believe. And I think that all of these calculated economic responses are just slow walking the inevitable, which is that everybody's going to war because the only way that this ends is exactly what Biden said and was admonished for several weeks ago is if this motherfucker is removed and he ain't going to be removed by a quote unquote election. That's for fucking sure. So he just hired the butcher who was known in Syria to target civilians. That's what Putin is doing. There's no, oh, military operation at play to take over military bases and nuclear sites. No, he is bombing train stations and fucking apartment buildings and schools and hospitals and movie theaters and museums. He is bombing where people are. And if he can't control Ukraine, he's going to make sure that the only thing that is left of it is a crater in the fucking ground. So how do you respond to that? That's the question on the table, not only for the Biden administration, but for the world. That is it for me today, dear friends here on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.